All right, we want to respect everybody's time this morning, and we want to thank you very much for being here. And, uh, you know, we're doing two of these. I'll just uh, start this on a housekeeping basis. We're doing one of these today, and then one of them on Tuesday night, and they'll be the same thing. So if you're here today, you don't have to come on Tuesday night, and I hope you've gotten that message, but it'll certainly you're welcome to, uh, but you don't have to be able to do that. And uh, one of the things we want to make sure that, we, that you're aware of today is we have a resource table that's in the back, so that's from several different organizations, uh, SCORE and others that you can take a look at. We have uh, food in the back. We will not do a break. I am not big on breaks, so I am, uh, I'd rather have us just go as you need to go, get up if you want to get something. It's more like a family meeting, okay? So, you know, you can still listen and participate, but we move through so that we can use the time well. Two hours together, we don't have a lot of time for breaks, you know, and so um, we'll, that's how we'll go. Um, there's only going to be audio recording of this as well. Just want to make you aware that it is. Uh, we don't want that to suppress any comments, however, in the process of this. Because we want you to be fully wide open on everything that we uh, participate and do. I have um, uh, the purpose, as you know, of these inclusions, I'm going to say we don't know how many we'll end up doing, is to be able to listen well and not be so content rich. Last, the first one we did, we were a little heavier on content. What we want to do today is brainstorm more. And so uh, this is a little awkward because sometimes people want to come for a program and we're less a program and you are more the program because if we're listening well, that's what we're going to do. And so we want to see what our gaps are and what we're missing. Um, so I request your patience with the process as we do this, probably because of Christmas. Our next one will be sometime in January, late January, uh, I would guess in that regard. Uh, today what we're going to do is um, we're going to have three segments. The first segment will be a think, after I'm done here, it will be a think tank uh, that I'll set up and tell you about in a minute. Then we're going to have a wonderful success slash hard things about life success story from Pitten Hall. And you're going to ha have the opportunity uh, there to be able to listen to Abdiel and Christy. Then we're going to have a think tank session to end it and be done by 11 and be out of here. So that that gives you kind of a set of what we're going to do as we go forward. Um, so many things I want to say. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I'm doing it in a way that uh, works well for you. Last night, my wife's out of town. So last night, Emma, my daughter, who's 19, who loves The Greatest Showman, uh, she wanted to see The Greatest Showman again. So that's my seventh time of watching a movie <laughs> that, that I... I, I, I love that movie, don't you? Whoa! You know, okay. So we won't get you started on that. But anyway, in doing that, I'm reminded in that movie as we're going through it, just what an excellent, excellent movie this is on dreaming, you know? And really, what, what are we talking about uh, in a community, you know, is dreaming. What, can, what isn't that could be, and how do we take ourselves and, to get there? And so, you know, if you think, I, you think about the lines in that opening song with the whoa, you know, it's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. It's here right in front of you. This is where you want to be. We live in a wonderful city. We live in a place that has great opportunity. We live with people who are wonderful thinkers. We live in a creative community that's getting even more creative. And, and so we need to think about, as we go through this process, what are some of the limits that we have that we don't need to have, and how do we go forward? I, I was 
watching the movie and thinking about that my first entrepreneurial moment was when I was about six, Logan, your age, and I had a crawdad circus at home. Um, what We had crawdads in the creek. I caught the crawdads. I got my sister's bracelets uh, so that they could do hoops and go through the thing, and I could show you this, in my, and some rocks in a tub, and I put a flashlight in a hole for another 10 cents if you wanted to see the red, the red eye. I'd put a red sheet of paper there and a flashlight on the back, and you could look through this block and see the red eye in there. And so for a quarter, you could come to the crawdad circus. And it was what I had out of what I had. You know, I had crawdads and rocks and my sister's bracelets and a flashlight. And uh, I probably have been entrepreneurial about things ever since then uh, in that regard. But what I also realized in life when we moved out to a farm was that I needed more tools than I had. So I needed more than my sister's bracelets and rocks and crawdads because now we lived on a farm. And on this farm, we had uh, all kinds of things that had to be maintained, and we certainly had an opportunity to be able to um, uh, learn things in the process. But I, so I, I got my own little toolbox. Now, this is not it. I can't replicate that one. In fact, this is my son Stephen's toolbox that he left at home. If he knew it was here, I don't, he'd, he would have charged me to use it this morning if you knew my son Stephen, just for rental purposes. But, you know, dissimulating that, I had a few tools in it. Like, I got a level. I thought levels were so cool. Because, you know, I mean, they're never wrong. A level's always right, okay? And then you could put it next to things and see exactly if you've done the job well. A level's a confirmer. You know, it kind of says, you're on track, stay the course. We need a level in our toolbox. And then I got a screwdriver, but I like gadgets. I'm still that way. And so I got a 10-in-1 screwdriver, which, you know, allowed me to have Torx bits on some ends, change them. There's two on each of those, you know, and they go in and out. You can lose a bit. That's part of the problems, you know, that can happen sometimes. But, um... It wasn't a big enough screwdriver for bigger jobs. So there were some jobs that, even though it was a screwdriver, it could not do that. Even though it was in my toolbox and I had it, it couldn't do that. And so I, I realized I needed a couple more tools. So I, you know, got a plier because everybody needs to have a plier. You've got to have something you can grab that's stronger than you. This is a tool that multiplies what you can do. Um, then I learned about vice grips. You know, vice grips are really neat because they're so much stronger than a plier. You can get a vice grip just right. This particular one is not the curvy kind you normally see, but this can hold something and you can, you, you can use it and just, it does look scary. If I put it on my ear like an earring, it would hurt, so I don't want to do that. But you could adjust it just right and get it there. It is a little scary. But you know, um, the thing about a vice grip is that that's its feature and benefits that it is able to hold something and hold it tightly, and you can actually take your hand off. But we don't really buy things for features and benefits. You may like features and benefits. You may sell features and benefits. But what I learned in using the vice grip is what mattered to people was the results. The fact that I could glue something, and the thing that they had that's broken got a different result. So features and benefits are important. But I learned with some tools that it's the customer's not interested in the features and benefits. They're interested in the results. They're interested in what you can do. And so I started to think differently in terms of some of the stuff I could do. When things didn't go well, I always had this. This is a hammer. Yeah, hammer is a, it's like unplugging your computer and rebooting, okay? The hammer is the go-to tool when something's wrong. But there's all kinds of hammers with different reasons to get different results as you go through the process. If things really don't go well, there is the bolt cutter 
which is nice to be able to have. I'm not going to go into the fact that even though these are really cool tools, um, I actually have a few more than that in my life today that I've gone through life to do. But the, the point is this toolbox isn't complete. And so when we look at opportunities, our opportunities are only as good as our toolbox. So what's in our toolbox is what we're going to talk about today. And I'm thinking about this in the toolbox of the city. What do we have available to us that we have in our own toolbox? And what do other people have in their toolboxes? And what tools are missing that we don't even know the results-oriented opportunities we want to get from them that we've got to figure out and go to and do? Because if we do that job well, then we'll be able to take some of these things. And so our first think tank is going to be in that regard. We're going to talk in columns, and we're going to use post-it notes like we did. We're doing this as one group so that we, we share all that facilitating together. We're going to do an, ec an education focus. So imagine you've got a really good toolbox, the Craftsman Big Deal that has the drawers or snap-ons. You know, Each one of these are a drawer. Okay, So we're going to go through the door on education. We're going to go through the door on coaching, internships, transportation, workforce development, technology, incubators and then anything else that we might have some time to be able to throw up. So when we go through that, I want us to think about it from the standpoint of that topic. Try and stay in that topic and in that column while we're on it, because so, that will make, uh, make it so much uh, go better. But we have to think about dreaming. And, we have, and in this process, we can't come into this room thinking that all the tools we have are all the tools we need. That's a toolbox. It has all kinds of opportunities. There's many more drawers we can add. And, I, and, and dreams are our drivers as a community. Dreams are what make it possible for us to think about something that isn't. You know, I may have messed up a little meeting I was in yesterday. This wouldn't be one you'd know about. But because I love to hear ideas, I just want to think about other ideas, too, and, and to think about adding other questions. Well, that can be disruptive. So dreamers tend to be disruptive people, and I get it. And so you've got to control disruptive people because they're never satisfied at some level. And then, um, but, but you, want to, you want to allow them to be able to have enough breath to be able to breathe. They, it lets us consider what could be that isn't. Uh, we look at what is and how can, how, when we walk in the room, how can we make it better? Dreamers want to make things better. They're improvers, you know? And so if we're dreaming well as a community, we're always about improving that community. And dreamers don't settle for no. They don't, no is like, oh, really? <laughs> Let me see about that. And so it's simply a hurdle for them to overcome. And we want to be that way in our minds. Because, you know, listening to that greatest showman last night, one of the things that I, I, I listened to more closely than I had before was the song about come alive. And come alive is a, is a person who's lost their ability to dream. Come alive is walking in, life is gray, my head's down, I can't think uh, positively anymore, I'm not looking for choices and other opportunities when choices are the difference makers. Choices are the opportunities to do things that, that really make a difference. So um, I want us to think about that. Um, so I think of um, the, if, if you consider what we did in our first session, and I think about what we can do today to expand our toolbox. In our first session, I want to do a little recap with respect to that. We really um, talked a lot about the big overriding um, issue for us was communication. We have got to improve the way we're communicating, the channels we communicate in, the breadth of the way it's being done, and make sure we're 
getting into opportunities. We want to find people whose heads are down and don't know how to dream and may be invisible to lots of other people, but have an idea. And if it's fed well and if it's nurtured, can do something and connected, uh, can do some things that um, they can't, may not do now. With more diversity, with more collaboration, involving students, and uh, with increased accountability and transparency. Those would be the big takeaways from our first uh, session to do. And so we want to certainly incorporate that as we look here in these additional tool drawers. And our goal is to think about what we can do, um, what other tools of other people, too, that we can be borrowing along the way. You'll recognize these little frames. I really like these. This is the values of an organization called um, We Lead from a Place of Serving. I like that. Uh, we have fun. We're a bunch of goofballs that love what we do and have fun doing it. I like that. Don't take ourselves too seriously. You know, you can't take yourself too seriously. Can't believe your own press reports. Uh, we believe people are everything at the heart of what we do, and they are. The rest of it's just crash and burn stuff. People are what matter. And then um, integrity. We value integrity. Believe honesty is the best policy. Passion. We get more excited than ever. Uh, we bear grit. We are powerfully motivated by our long-term goals. So that's an organization. These are just good things uh, to get done. And I'm not trying to give any person any particular credit for that, but I like to see the fact that we know how we want to do it. And I think those things speak well for us as a city as we go forward. So with that, we're going to start right away into the think tank. And we're going to start on this first column, and we're going to have... Um, Oh, by the way, we want to thank our CRA team for all the work they've done because they're the ones that have made this all happen in terms of logistics. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Super appreciate it. Um, Jonathan, would you like to touch base on how we're going to do yeah. post-it notes, so et cetera? We can, uh, we'll pass out the post-it notes and pens if anyone needs as we go through the Think Tank session. If you have... If you want to say something, but maybe you don't have an opportunity because we're moving forward, um, write it down, and we'll stick it in the respective columns. Okay. So what we'll do first is we're going to take the whole area of education. We're going to think about how can we use education to, be, to increase economic inclusion. You're going to write down ideas on your post-it notes. We're going to take about seven or eight minutes for you to do that. Then we're going to throw those up there, or you can take yours up if you need to get your steps in and you have some kind of a Fitbit monitor that you want to um, make sure is happening. You can put it up there on the board yourself underneath that column. But focusing on education, what are, what are some things that we can do to be more inclusive? And what are some things that might be creating hurdles today? You know, what are our gaps? What are disruptors uh, to that? Either way, you want to answer that. So ideas for and pro and uh, things that might be causing issues. Make sense? Everybody good? Right away. Per note, one idea per note, yes. We want to use lots of notes. They help us. Got some great things up here. Okay, anybody have anything they want to add that they didn't put in here? Okay, just going to try and move through these columns quickly because for us to get this all done, we're going to have to. Um, and we have a mic, and which Jonathan's holding right, or, I'm sorry, which you're holding, and I did not uh, see you switch. And hello, sir. A little hug. Here. Good morning. And um, 
Uh, so when you have an opportunity to expound on something, it's your point, just raise your hand if you don't mind doing it. That lets us get it on the audio track, because if we're just saying it out loud, you won't hear it uh, otherwise. Okay, so lack of uh, missing tools, lack of trust. Any comments on this one? Because trust to me in life is like the footing of everything. You don't have trust, you don't have anything. We don't communicate well, we don't believe that somebody's gonna, we believe that it's lip service unless we have trust. When we have trust, it's completely different. Because then you know we're all standing on the same floor, we're all trying to get there. We may slip and there may be gravel and stuff under our feet, but trust is a footing. Anybody wanna comment more on that? Yes, sir. So uh, in sharing, uh, going to different sectors of town and sharing about the Economic Inclusion Summit, I found that there were a lot of people that uh, were cynical or were, a, um, they didn't trust. We've heard this over and over again, right. what's really going to happen. And so uh, I think we can bridge that gap by actually being intentional and going into the communities that we have that we may not necessarily visit on a regular basis or on a weekly basis and holding uh, workshops or informational intensive sessions where, hey, we're here for you and, and we want you to know. And on that. Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Good morning. Um, I'd like to actually use an analogy that we often used in the school system as an educator. We would often say about young people, and I think it applies, they don't care what you say until they know that you care. And I think in the same way, trust is very much like that. Yes. People will pay attention to what you say when they feel that you care about what they care about. And so that, that actually increases that trust factor. You bet, and, and some of that caring requires doing. You know, I mean, it isn't just talking about it. You have to see some of that become tangible. Anything else on the whole trust issue? Yes, Martha. Um, is that trust in general, or is that trust in specific? Because are we talking about parents not trusting? Are we talking about school personnel not trusting? Do we uh, have to divide? Yeah, do we have to divide that trust because there's so many factors in that trust that that um, that need to be considered? Mm. I, I don't know who wrote. Was that you that wrote it? So, the, so what exactly did you mean with the trust? Lack of trust within minority communities. Okay, I'm going to shift subject really fast. Oops, sorry. Yes, ma'am. I was just going to say that. When the topic came up with trust, I kind of agree with it under the respect of education, that if the students or the parents, as you mentioned, don't trust the system or don't trust the fact that um, that you really care how the, about their success, then there's a lack of engagement. And so I think that while it's true across the board and just as a bigger picture, um, specific to education um, and looking at opportunities to invest in more at-risk um, population. Trust is a big factor there. Good, any others on that? Okay, I'm gonna switch us to something I've kind of lumped generally, but Polk County's magnet and charter schools are exclusive, not inclusive. 100 Black Men of Lakeland, a scholarship program. Look for innovative ways to include working families, intentional bridge building. 
These are all kind of areas of what do we do to make sure we're providing opportunities as equally as possible uh, for people. Anybody want to comment on this? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I wrote the uh, 100 Black Men yes. scholarships. I know they have a program like that. And uh, I think it's out of Atlanta, but it's inclusive of other cities and states. And I thought that uh, I retired from working in the school system as a mental health counselor. And uh, I noticed that children were channeled, especially in majority black schools, in certain places, like to be a construction worker through the... Um, through guidance counselors and so and they would channel them to low-paying jobs in which um and uh, as if they didn't have the aptitude right, to do right. that That's so uh, but and then and and now i am the chaplain at the retiring i'm the chaplain at the ymca and i talk to the young people in the afternoon and the ones that come in, they're either sometimes go to school or nothing all day, and they come in and work with the daycare, uh, after-school care in the afternoon. And so, and I talked to them about school. I said, what are you doing? Where are you going to be? And ask these questions. And I really listened to them. And I'm surprised at how many children do not know about scholarship programs, black children, young black people, I mean, and these it's just amazing to me that they don't know about scholarships and that we don't we're not telling them about scholarships and that they really can achieve uh, something greater and better, but no one really tells them that. And so I know that 100 black men, uh, they have a program like that. Or scholarships, they could go into schools and let people know and let the guidance counselors know because I used to work with them all the time. But these children could do something better and different. They just probably need some little extra education or believe that they can, as was said here earlier, that believe that they can do that, and they can. And so I think that if we had something uh, that we had examples other than basketball stars and football stars, right. that we would have examples of successful business black businessmen to be an example for these children to so they can be channeled in something different than um than just construction jobs or nothing jobs that were because people get tired of making eight dollars an hour sure okay perfect perfect well Thank and you. so she had on several points in that that are that are essential how do we do it early enough how do we do it broadly enough in terms of um the opportunities uh, there's one on here on the academy opportunities. How do we make sure they see academy opportunities early enough and, and frequently enough and then get them aligned uh, as we look at some of those things and scholarship opportunities? And what are we missing that isn't having that happen in the first place uh, as we go along? Huge opportunity here. And some of it has to match dreaming. If I quit dreaming, I start to die. You know, when I quit when I quit hoping and believing I can find a link, I, I'm slowly dying inside because I learn to settle, I learn to be cynical. I, I, this is how I walk. I walk backwards, you know, because it protects me. And I like tidy because it's, it's just not messy. When life is messy anyway, <laughs> it's always going to be messy for us. And we might as well dream and figure out how we can do that. So it's great. Love that input. Anybody else on this one? Okay. Um, there's one up here which I really like. Uh, why aren't we doing a better job, Polk County school systems improving, why aren't we doing a better job of talking about it on that improvement? 
you know, because we are. We have no F schools as a B-rated system. We are seeing very solid headway uh, being taken place. Why aren't people looking at it favorably? Why aren't we spending more time celebrating that? We spend time criticizing it. What could we be doing to do that? Just telling the story of I mean, whenever I get a chance to, to go and, and do the Great American Teaching at a school, I'm always, whatever school I am, I, I'm in, I'm identifying those people that, that have come from that, that school. Whether you're talking about Crystal Lake and Sheriff Grady Judd was a graduate of that school. Uh, whether you're talking about Kathleen High School and Gal Fields and Philip Walker and David Bowden and um, Steve Mark Wilson, the former chairman of the board of the chamber, all these were Kathleen High School graduates that people often don't realize it and they're, 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 nobody's talking about it. So just telling, getting people to be advocates and tell the story of their experiences in the, in the local school district, I think it's going to be helpful uh, to promote the, 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 um, the perception going forward of, of what, it, what it looks like and, and what it has done and what it can continue to strive for and, 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 and be. And I think Rachel Pleasant's working on some of that too in terms of uh, getting more... Um, notifications out. So we need to be posting some of that stuff. We need to be talking about it because we have to have people seeing our successes and not just uh, starting to experience them because we've spent a lot of time not posting about those things so, or, or posting negatively about those things. Yeah. We are, are really big advocates for public school. I actually graduated from the, the Polk County School System high school here. Um, and like Logan's school had the top AR points in the whole county. They had like seventeen. Were in it, Logan? They had like seventeen thousand accelerated reader program That's points, awesome. and yes, and that it's was a good deal. And I was like, "Oh, this is really awesome!" Like, I wish more people knew that this had happened because there's so much evidence that says that reading is what keeps a lot of kids Absolutely. like accelerated in life, right? Yes. And if they're not reading, that's when you start to see where they kind of are losing track in school. Um, I also wanted to jump off um, the okay. point of what she was saying about the 100 black men group. I think that is a fantastic idea. There's a lot of missed opportunities for mentoring in, in the public schools and even in like the parks and recs programs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, th I don't yes. know what's already happening. So I had also had a question, like what's happening currently with mentoring programs, maybe not necessarily in the city, but just in the area. Like, I don't actually know. Well, I think on our parks and recs, we do some, but we can do much more than we're doing. Um, just to add on to what um, Aliyah said, I think that, it, that the key that has come to the surface is schools, homes, communities teaming together. That was the, um, the um, mission when I was principal at Sykes Elementary. And I think that is the key when the community gets actively involved with business development and businesses going into communities, you hear about different organizations all the time that support the mission of the school. And that is something that can be um, communicated in a lot of ways. And I think that there's lots going on in the schools. There's lots going on with communities, different organizations support back-to-school rallies and drives and things of that nature. They give back to the school, but they do them kind of in tandem, this over here. But when you begin to bring those two pieces together and you actually make it a strategic focus for communities to invite the schools to invite the communities in, you begin to see a lot more of that type of development. So I... 
I think that the community, by way of businesses, organizations, not profit, nonprofits, getting actively involved in the schools to read, to do back to school events and those kinds of things. So. In yeah. schools where they are located, right? That is a really big problem. Close enough. Where the businesses are like, oh, I'm going to go to that school over right. there because it's really popular, and the, my kid goes there. Like, but the kids in the neighborhood don't right. know what that business exactly. is. Right. They don't know that. Oh, I could be a business owner right here. Like. I could go to this other place that this person is really successful. So adopting schools yes. is a huge yes. program that's successful nationally in lots of markets uh, that, in that direction. And Tony Evans has a great uh, ex program in place nationally that he uses out of Dallas uh, to be able to do that. And he equips, in part, and, and it's right, it's free, and it's, and it's got great success and track record behind it. I think that's a really good point about adopting schools. I've heard from multiple business owners that our district is not actually receptive to businesses coming in and being part of it um, in several locations. And I think that is in part based on uh, because of site-based management more than any particular district policy. Um, I think our principals in some cases are worried or concerned about letting in outside influences. So we can work to say you can trust, like the business community can be trusted. You know, there's background checks. We've got that right. system in place um, so that we can look to our principles for that collaboration as well. Because you're right, Jennifer. We're fighting against a lot of the so social trends that push back and create even more silos when, in fact, what we got to do is break those down but have the right kinds of safeguards in place to do so. And that can be done. We can do that. Okay, there's a lot other good education ones. We just, in order to do this well, though, we've got to get to our next uh, area, our next drawer in the toolbox, which is going to be one on coaching, Okay. Um, think about, it, and there were a couple mentors, mentoring comments in this as well, but think about this more in the coaching vein. Uh, you know, for many people outside of parents, a uh, sports coach is the singularly most influential person in that child's life. Think about it. So that's great if they're good at sports, and sports are a wonderful venue. I'm not knocking sports, and I love the, what we can accomplish in sports. But we could be doing that same kind of coaching in other areas of life. For you know, some kids aren't sports oriented; they they are they want they have other skills and other talents. So think about what can we do in this whole coaching arena um, to kind of integrate a little bit of what we may have already talked about in education to be more effective in coaching. There are some tangible ways to do that, and let's write those ideas down and post them. And Tammy, have a great yoga class. <laughs> Coaching, how can we do it better? What are some of the problems we have in not doing it well? Okay, um, let's start with a couple of them, which is um, at-risk students. Coaching and uh, mentoring opportunities focused in our at-risk schools and set up an advocacy program for students. Um, can someone comment on either one of those that would like to? Any ideas that you may have beyond that? Sure. Um, in regards to, I know I talk a lot. I'm That's on. all right. I love it. Uh, um, in regards, <laughs> Jerry. In regards to the advocacy program, um, that is actually talking about maybe a role within a school or within a community where their focus is to 
work in a coaching um, model with, with young people who are at risk or with those who may not have access to resources more available than, than, you know, than most. And so it's really a holistic kind of wraparound support uh, model where you look at all the aspects. If the students are working, then you go to their job and you check on them to make sure that they are doing. And so it's a position within a school or within a program model that their sole purpose is to advocate, much like the guardian and litem position for um, at-risk students. So. Which is wonderful. There, there, here's another one that touches on that juvenile diversion and crime prevention would benefit all Lakeland teens to help them discover the world of positive opportunities around them. Once as a city uh, shows young people what they could be, we can encourage and coach them to strive for that goal. So that could come underneath that very, very same kind of thing. And create a system to identify those who want to be coached. So, so not only on the advocacy side of ones that we see having issues, but kids who go, I'd just love to have a mentor, you know? And, and not have that be weird and not have that be, you know, and, and teachers that can identify that well, who can be in the classroom and go, there's somebody who needs that person in their life and a place to go. So we're doing just, you may or may not know this, but we're doing another initiative. This is one Lakeland on economic inclusion. We're doing one Lakeland on mentoring. Very hard to get this, that side of it going as we go along because we have, first of all, a lot of great mentoring organizations. So the first thing we're going to do, I'm just, I'll just take an aside here, is define what are those, and we're going to make a solid program of here's everything that is available in our community for mentoring. Do you see a match that you'd like to participate in one of those? If you don't, then here is a group of mentors that we're building over here on the other side of people who want to help coach somebody who doesn't find a match in what already exists. And then in those organizations that exist, if they have someone that's not working well in their organization, because maybe it's a mismatch for them, they can hand that same tool to those students and say, would you like to be involved in a different program? Because this isn't working well in what we're trying to do together. They can do that or go into that mentoring piece. So that's going to take us time because you have to build people who will be part of that safety net of people. And then those people have to be vetted and all that kind of thing. That's why people don't do it. And so we're going to push through it and do it and get rid of the hurdles so that we can build the mentoring. Probably we're a year out on getting that being much more effective. But it's part of it. And we, the wonderful thing is we have a lot of that. But these will help to identify some of that. Anybody else want to comment on this, on the at-risk or the mentoring side of that? OK. Um, there's several here, school sports chaplains, uh, uh, chaplains having those available. And we do have. You know, FCA is an organization that hits lots and lots of uh, the schools. And it works very, very well. Um, uh, so that's something that can be utilized if it's not in a school in that regard. Um, involving college students, I like this. An FSC class I am auditing now requires us to help coach underprivileged children for um, 10 hours. It's cool. You know, what other things could we do like that where we were really assigning the responsibility uh, for them to be able to uh, crawl into each other's lives? Uh, there's a program here called Out of the Box that when, you, when students work with these disadvantaged or, I mean, um, intellectually challenged students, 
they all of a sudden have, they build bridges because they didn't know what they were like before and all of a sudden they like working with them, you know? And, and so that's just getting people involved in something that they're not used to to realize it's all okay, life goes on, we're all good. Um, who or what person or organization is willing to take on the responsibility to coach Lakeland's young adults and teens? This would help to establish the sustainability of this. So that again will hit that mentoring side um, as we go along. Anybody else want to comment on coaching of anything we did not bring up? Can I come? Yes, uh, absolutely, Joy. On, um, chaplains uh, in Plant City, uh, they've asked uh, several of the pastors and many churches to each uh, to adopt a school, like an elementary school, middle school. So pastors are adopted, and they will be the chaplain for yeah. that particular school, which is a good thing. It's not... Um, teaching them about religion, but just to be there to mentor them and coach them along in whatever needs that they may have Excellent. and to answer questions. So that's Excellent. why I brought that up, not because I'm a chaplain. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, one of the things that I failed to mention earlier, too, in education is that, you know, Winter Haven is doing a nice job for the public school system of trying to create its own council within the community through PEP program. And so... I think that's an area for Lakeland for us to be able to do that as well because the school board cannot get to every issue that has to take place. It's an immense job and responsibility. And just to urge you to, so what can we do as a community to pre prep some of those issues as we go along? One thing I've noticed traveling the county over the last year or so is that um, Lake Wales and Winter Haven are very engaged in uh -huh. what's happening in the public schools in Lakeland, despite its size and resources, is less engaged than those smaller cities. Absolutely. And we have not been coordinated in doing that. So we recognize that's something we've got to do, and, and uh, we're going to get that done. Um, any other comments on coaching? All right. So um, somewhat into this. Uh, coaching, you think about internships if you're the intern, but what I'm really asking in this economic inclusion, what kind of internships would you like to see that we don't have available today? Into what kinds of arenas? Um, and what are some ideas to be creative in that regard that, that we could create internships for? What are some, you know, we, we think about internships for things that typically may be college prep kinds of jobs and those kind of things, but what about other arenas where we could be creating some internships. So kind of think about some ideas there. If you think of other ideas as you're going along the way, you, you need to put them up there because they get there, otherwise they blow away. That happens in my mind increasingly all the time. Uh, jot them down and you can put them up early, that's fine. But let's think about internships for a second. How could we be more creative, intentional, and broad in our internship offerings? Okay, I'm going to get started. Keep writing if you're thinking about them. Um, there's just lots of great individual ideas up here. So I'm not going to spend as much time trying to combine this one. These just, a lot of these are just freestanding. So for example, here's healthcare administration. Too much liability and barriers to entry. You want to talk on that one? Who put this one up? Yes. That's very interesting. Okay. Anything else than that that would augment that point? That's really a very interesting thing to figure out how to craft. Uh, here's one that says, and I'm sensitive to this, you know, the city loses 40% of its employees in the next five years because of retirement. This is a great company. 
to work within the city of Lakeland. And um, uh, wonderful job. So one of the points up here was ask city employees to give work time to crafting an internship program in their offices. You know, think about what would you do to expose people because we should be exposing students to those kinds of opportunities as they go along. Well, that can be true in any government office if we think about it. You know, we can just take that. Um, how can we do a better job of co community communication and social media uh, in terms of making those things aware as well? Uh, make an internship organization that operates as a provider so that it's more equitable and accessible to all. So thinking about having a clearinghouse for, for interns. And we, there are some organizations that do um, some of that currently. And so um, thinking about how those can be broadened to, to be as inclusive as possible as we go along. Uh, there's a group of CEOs that meet regularly to share and learn from each other. What if there were internships for new small businesses? Exists, um, exists somewhat with SCORE, but it's not local. Can you broaden this one for us a little? Whoever may have written. Okay, yes, ma'am. Um, you know that there are CEOs and executives that meet regularly and they share, they learn from each other, but what if there was an opportunity, not necessarily with students, but new businesses or small businesses that have an opportunity to meet one-on-one -on -one with um, CEOs and executives um, to coach them? And so it, I don't know if it's necessarily internships, but some way that they can work alongside with someone that's already successful. And I'm thinking from a business um, perspective, not necessarily student. Okay, so oh, the, from business owners standpoint. So right. these CEOs would, it's not that we're trying to necessarily take people to become CEOs, but just use your life's your experience life and become mentors, a broader mentor group. I think that's great. Um, I, I have wrote this one up. We had huge issues at Lincoln Auto Mall getting mechanics and um, just not something people think is necessarily a great job to have, when in fact it can provide wonderfully well. There are mechanics that make $50,000, $60,000 a year that are high production mechanics, and that can be a very, very good income. So thinking about trying to get into people like that, us, that are trades, that could broaden internship programs that, that people might not think about otherwise, you know, that they may not. Yeah, and, and through technical schools and that kind of thing. And so, and maybe not even thinking about wanting to go to technical school yet, you know, and, and so I'm maybe in middle school and I'm starting to think about that, but being exposed sooner to some kinds of those opportunities and just encouraging businesses, I'm just using that as an example, but encouraging businesses to have a um, internship Saturday, you know, or something where we bring people in and let people start to see some opportunities of what you would do if you were in our business and what we do and make it a fun little fair and we change that in different sectors of the businesses around the community. Office administration, bookkeeping, those kinds of things as well. Anybody else have anything else up here that they wanted to talk about? We'll still summarize these later after the fact, but on anything on internships, yes. I was going to put this post-it up there, that not everyone is meant to go to college. And so, again, talking about those trades and exposing students to um, money talks. So if they know they can make $60,000 right out of high school, specifically with a trade, and they're, they're not excited about going to college or trade school, how can we expose them to those different types of opportunities? Right. And in, in fact, 
I think increasingly colleges and for lots of people, you know, um, at least a third, at least a third uh, of our graduating um, seniors do not need to be going to college and could be, and could be working in something that's wonderful that they like to do right away, and um, and college creates a huge amount of debt. So you better know why you want to go to college. In my view, that's the way I look at it. You better want it, and you better be pulling it out of my hand. Otherwise, you ought to think about doing something else, you know, and getting started. Yes. Yes. Um, I just want to share something with uh, Winterhaven and Legoland. Legoland has uh, instituted a wonderful internship program for the college, Polk State College. And what they do is the students go in there and they kind of rotate around the college different areas. So it's not just leadership or administration, but it's in different areas. Then the student has to come up with a plan on how to improve the organization. So everybody's making it better everybody, every time. Everybody, exactly. And they have to, then they have to pitch that plan to administration. Nice. And then administration goes forward nice. and either implements or whatever. So it's a it's a really good uh, program that other maybe businesses may want to look at. It's really Great. good. Yeah. And they have been a good model on that. Uh, yes, ma'am. I think that if you really want to talk about inclusion, look, really talk about inclusion with internships, you have to be pushing companies to offer paid internships because there are a lot of students yes. and people who cannot afford to work for free. They just can't, and then they miss out on these really good opportunities to learn and be a part of something because they just can't afford it. And there's a lot of ways that can, like, that incentive, like the, you know, getting companies to buy into that. Maybe you offer them, like, a small tax break with the city or something. I don't know, but, like, money does talk, and it means a lot to people, particularly people who cannot afford to do an internship but want to. Steve, you've spent a lot of time on internships. Can you comment on that comment? Does it, is this, like, does it really work? Yeah. yeah okay. Because it doesn't sound like it amplifies anything. It's going to record. Yeah, great. Great. So, um, yeah, we, Why Lakeland has an internship program and where students can put their profile on our website and companies can put what they're looking for, what interns are looking for, and we require all of those internships to be paid. And we recommend a minimum of $10 an hour. So, um, and we, as the Lakeland Economic Development Council, Y Lakeland and Catapult, uh, as a group since 2005 have hired 80, 70, 80 interns, all have been paid. And we're, we're probably the third largest employer of interns in the city of Lakeland behind Publix and Geico, maybe Lockheed Martin. Interesting. And that's kind of good, but it's kind of sad. Yes. that an organization that has less than 10 employees is one of the largest intern employers in the city. So we're really pushing that. So for anybody that is, has, wants an internship, you can go on our, we, we can put you on the website for free, and you can go on there right now and you'll see over, you know, 30 or 40 companies that are looking for over 100 interns. They do that, not have to be LEDC members. No, 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 this is just for the community. So we, we do have a platform and we're pushing it and we're really pushing that issue as far as paid and unpaid. We won't accept unpaid and we're really fighting that. And unfortunately, some of the colleges push that. What was your experience on the negative side with unpaid internships? I'm not allowed. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, we've had a little bit of everything. Uh, I think for smaller companies or entrepreneurs that are really interested and they need extra help and want to, they just can't pay or they don't want to pay. And so they're looking for some sort of incentive, like you mentioned. Um, and then, yeah, companies that just not really seeing the value. Well, we have, we have something amazing to offer, this experience that they can get or learning from us. And so don't really see the need to pay. Right. for that because they yeah, can they, still they get feel, students. They feel like they're, mm-hmm. that what you, should, you should be paying me to be able to be an intern exactly. here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ignoring what their real needs are in life. Yes. Well, <clears throat> to add on to what, um, from the perspective of inclusion and just to expand that platform I think you mentioned wherein there may be organizations whose purpose is to be a clearinghouse for interns. If there was some way that particular organization could be allocated some funding so that I get to apply to that and Uh. then I'm vetted and I'm, you know, my skills or maybe I'm matched up with the organization that's going to fit my profile. If I'm a web designer or I'm a technology person Mm -hmm. and then you put me with a small Mm -hmm. business who Mm -hmm. needs someone that has my skill set but maybe can't afford to pay for for a web designer. That's interesting. So, you know, and it would also uh, speak to the level of Many times people don't know about internships because they're not traveling those circles. So to mm-hmm. have an organization who, you know, everybody can go, it's kind of like Kelly Services providing substitutes for the school district. Mm-hmm. You know, they, everybody goes there and then they send them out to wherever. Good. So if there's an organization that may be able to, to do that and then there's maybe businesses put so much money in or this city government has so much money there, and you get paid for doing it. I think that would kind of give those that make communication is key. When I worked in the field of, of broadcast journalism, you pulled interns from the people that you knew. You know, you, you reach out to those that you're familiar with. Right. So something that can be really broad that this is where you go to look for an interview. Yeah, because we have broader opportunities today than we used to with social media. You know, we can go bigger, you know, and in those days, it was understandable that it was more word of mouth. We don't need to live there, you know, and, and we, we have tools to break down barriers. We need to use those tools. Good, excellent comments. Okay, I'm, the, I'm a clock watcher. These, we put these in the category order that we wanted them to be in in terms of priority first. Uh, so we're not going to finish the rest of these, and I have some other things up there because I want to keep us on schedule. Um, and this helps us understand that we need fewer columns as, if to, for tool drawers as we go through the, this process. Um, so what I'd love to do now is, if you don't mind, is have Adil and um, Christy come up and talk about Fifth and Hall and give us a little bit of um, background, if you wouldn't mind. Come on, and however else you want to do this. <laughs> We'll get out of your way. Do you need anything up here? Yes? Okay. This is a really cool podium, and it doubles later for a collection box. Yeah, so. Guys, how are you? First of all, thank you, thank you so much for having us. It was kind of cool that they asked us, because, um, I don't know, we're so small, and it doesn't seem like people would care. But it's pretty great that um, they were asked us to be here. And we brought Jason, who is the barber, um, who we've teamed up with in our new space. So that might be jumping ahead. Um, and what you're seeing here is um, a little video intro that we made for the grand opening of our move to downtown. So I just 
thought it'd be cool so you guys can kind of see a little bit of our brand story. Um, that's actually um, some video footage of our space and what we do there. Um, so just a quick story of, of, our, of our brand and who we are and how we got to be where we are today. Um, it's funny seeing Steve Scruggs in the building. It was kind of cool. Um, he was one of the very first, um, he was the first person we actually talked to when we thought of this crazy idea. And um, I remember him telling us, it was at Catapult, he's like, it's going to take about two years before you guys really like get this going. I'm like, by next summer, we're going to be on. You know, but definitely not. It was almost exactly two years that it really felt like we were kind of, you know, had some footing. So thank you for that advice. And I think that kind of speaks to some of the great things that are happening in the city. Um, but anyway, so back in um, 2014, my wife and I um, decided to take a risk and open a store. We both were working for people, doing what we're doing now, but we just were like, why don't we just do this for ourselves? And we were at church, and one of our mentors kind of challenged us, like, just do it. And why aren't you doing it? And I found, we found ourselves just making excuses as to why we didn't do this thing. Um, so we spent 2014 just doing some research, talking to people. Um, at the time, I just started working for the Lakelander Magazine as a style editor, so I was kind of in the trenches when it came to fashion and style and what people wanted to be able to find locally and our biggest challenge was when we were dressing people for a local magazine, there wasn't a ton of local stores mm. that we could promote. So that was really what it kind of was the first, I guess, problem we were trying to solve. Um, so it took us about a year, and finally um, we both decided that, uh, not decided, but we realized that we had to do this ourselves financially. Um, there wasn't a ton of people who wanted to take a risk with clothing. So <laughs> um, we just took a year to kind of just get our finances in order, um, we took a small loan out kind of on our own, and October of that year, we had a first batch of merchandise, and at that point, we were like, okay, cool, we have merchandise, what's next? Um, and that's when we had this idea to do a pop-up shop at Black & Brew. Um, and at the time, I don't think anybody in Lakeland knew what a pop-up was, because we were promoting a pop-up shop, and people were like, what, popcorn? Like, Pop-tarts. What? Yeah, like, what? <laughs> what is this? Um, so we were just like, just come on out. You'll, you'll understand when you see it, it's gonna be great. So uh, we literally did a mini store right in the middle of Black & Brew, January 17th, 2015. Mm -hmm. um, full screens, and it was, just, it was just great. It was like we really wanted to make an introduction of what style fashion could be in Lakeland. Um, and that's kind of what we did, and that was the beginning, really, of it. Um, we met um, somebody who was, loved what we were doing and um, kind of let us down, and we actually spent the next eight months at the Tudor House. This was when the Tudor House was just an open, a vacant space, and nothing was happening. Um, and Gregory's like, hey, just hang out at the Tudor and do pop-ups. So for the next eight months, every month, we did a pop-up. So we started really small. We wanted to keep it mobile, um, you know, keep the risk a little low, um, and kind of fast forward and just keep our story short. 2016, summer of 2016, we had our first storefront, so we moved just a little bit down in Dixieland, had a grand opening, and it was our first time kind of having our storefront. Nice, cute, intimate space. We learned a lot, um, had to clientele a lot, had to educate people a lot. Um, as you know, Dixieland's a little difficult for shopping, so you really had to know we were there. We really had to work extra hard to get people out. Um, it was a space that had been vacant for like 
20 years or, so yeah. or more. So it was like, and oh, there's something new here yeah. now. And it took a lot to kind of get people to actually turn their head and realize there's some activity yeah. going on. This was probably, um, I'd say about four or five months before Board & Brand moved into the same plaza, which also helped. Mm -hmm. um, but we were kind of there for a while, um, which was great. Yeah. We knew big picture we wanted to be downtown. Um, and a lot of people said, your retail store needs to be downtown, which is, sounds great and sounds easy, but all the downtown spaces are huge and they cost a lot of money. Um, so it was like, yeah, that's great. That's future. So fast forward to March of 2018, March of this year, mm -hmm. um, actually Christmas time, we kind of caught wind that a space was available downtown and we kind of jumped on it as soon as possible, taking a big risk. At this point, I had become full-time at the store. I left my corporate job. Um, so I was kind which of- Which is what? I was a GM for Urban Outfitters for about eight and a half years. Um, so I was you know, very involved on the retail side for a major company and traveled a lot with them and did a lot of district training. And learned a lot from Learned that. a ton. And I think that was um, a very big lesson for myself to kind of have one foot still learning and you know in the corporate world with a company that's doing what we want to do, um, but also kind of bringing it back to the community. But it got to a place where I needed to be more full-time and I realized the business needed that. So when I took we that, yeah, we were both working full time plus, plus working the, business, yeah. the, the store, and it was it was a lot, which is kind of a common story for a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, so anyway, we finally decided to take the move downtown, and um, whenever the the space came available, we realized the space was really big for us, and there's no way we could fill it. Um, that's where Jason came in the picture. Um, we thought, what can we do as a retail clothing store to really kind of turn it on its side and fight what's happening online. Uh, you know, obviously you guys know a lot of these big brick and mortar stores are shutting down because of this online business that's happening. Um, but you know, a lot of these smaller boutiques are thriving and they're still doing okay. And it's these boutiques that are keeping it community, keeping it collaborative, just mixing things up and creating experience. So that's what really what we wanted to do was create an experience. We wanted somebody to come in and sit for a while and not just be able to shop, but you know, have a full hair, makeup, nails, whatever it is that you wanted to do, grooming, shaving, whatever. Um, and timing was just perfect. Went to the same church, and he was looking to move his barber closer to central downtown area, and we had some space. So um, that's where this collaborative space came. Um, so when you come into our space now, it's our clothing store, and it's his barber slash blow-dry bar. So you know, we kind of just created a cool experience, and we rebranded both of our brands to kind of make it seem very seamless. Although it's two separate businesses, we kind of gelled our, our branding so it feels kind of the same thing. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's, it was a, a big risk, I think, for many ways, you know, having a clothing store and a barber like this in town were, like, the only ones. There was another one in Tampa. Um, I don't think it's around much anymore. Um, there's another one in Orlando that's not quite as big as scale as we are. But our concept is huge in New York, San Fran, Texas. Um, this collabo clothing store, barbers, a really big concept that's on the rise. And we have one in Lakeland, so. <laughs> yeah, so that's our story. Um, I don't know if you guys wanted to add any, anything. Any, like any trials. Do, do, round it out, round out the story, both yeah. of you. It would be great. So yeah, uh, I was kind of like in the same same kind of situation as there. They were trying to move their business. I was actually on the north side of town um, for about, I want to say, like three and a half years. I did a lot, um, as much as I could from where I was at. I was almost like middle of nowhere, like Zephyr Hills like area. So it was kind of 
far for me. So coming down here, I wanted to like grow and expand. I've been in Lakeland all my life, so one of my goals and dreams was to be in downtown Lakeland. And um, we just ran into each other. I mean, my mom, actually, my mom's a hairdresser, and she's been doing his mom's hair for like years. So um, we connect at church, and we met each other. And like he said, it was just perfect timing. I was really just good to cut it and just do my own thing. And then he was just like, look, we, have, we can do something crazy here in Lakeland. And it was just an idea that I had. And I was like, somebody actually has an idea just like I have, you know. So <laughs> I think it was just, like you said, perfect timing. And um, the store is amazing. It's something that you walk into and you get an experience like no no other place. I mean, it's it's great. I think it's been like one of the best the best things that's ever happened So to us. Okay, Christy. Some comments. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I guess like some. I don't know if there's any. You want to hear any trials or anything? I know that's kind of like yes, downer, we do. <laughs> but um, I don't want to be the downer of the group. But um, no, just a few things like um, that that could have maybe helped us along the way. Um, just little things like sign issues, you know, that we had in Dixieland that made it a little difficult for us in the beginning stages, especially. Um, just not being able to have like an A-frame outside to say like, hey, we're open for business. Like just little things like that, I think could like give us a little businesses a push and it's an easy way to promote. Um, yeah, I think finding a storefront, you know, when you think of a business, your initial dream is like, I want a store, I need, you know, I want a storefront. And, it, you know, we were mobile for a year and a half before we actually landed our storefront. And that was really difficult, you know. And you know, when you think of having a space, you need money. And we kind of felt like there's there was nothing to help us actually get a building. And there were so many empty buildings, and we couldn't understand it. Um, so you know, it was just one of those things that obviously you know nobody is just going to hand you anything. And you know, yeah, yeah. we're we're living proof that you just have to do make it happen. But I think from a standpoint as a beginning entrepreneur, it, it would have been nice to, you know, have some assistance to get somebody into an actual building. You know, I think that would have been great, or at least the education of that. So both assistance to get in as well as maybe pop-up, uh, uh, signage for pop-ups yeah. that would have been nice to have had something. Yeah, there right. were some weird sign laws that were yeah, we kind have of strange plenty of them. Yeah. <laughs> Downtown's been a lot different. It's, yes. it's a lot, you know, more friendly has. for that, yes. for sure. So what about fear? Give us some fear stories. Um, I don't think fear ever goes away. No, it's still here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's important to hear. No, it's it's, it's, it's probably the biggest barrier to starting. You really almost have to live side by side with it, um, as weird as that sounds. And I think, you know, when we moved our store from Dixieland to downtown, in many ways we were starting over, and it was a different kind of fear. Um, and it wasn't always a negative fear. Sometimes it was it was kind of the fuel we needed. Um, and, you know, uh, I think at some point you just have to, like, be okay with being afraid um, and just not let it stop you. Um, disappointment and then a happy and then a disappointment. Yeah, it's always up and down. <laughs> yeah, there's always, and any business owner I talk to, there's always that moment where you're like, that's it, I'm locking my door and I'm flying to China. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or that, yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. I actually wrote all this down, and I just started yapping, and I didn't. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so Fifth and Hall, it's, 
essentially the intersection of street style and, and classic style. So when you come into our space, that was always the vibe and the mission of our store was oh, to I provide classic clothing, but still push the envelope a little bit. So when you come in, you're going to find your khakis and, and your Oxfords, but we're going to mix it in with a band tee and some ripped jeans. Um, and the inspiration was that's where we were shopping. We were shopping at the thrift store and J. Crew, and it, why not just bring this, these two worlds together? Um, and cool. that's kind of what we found also just talking to people that first year. is like, yeah, it's, we just wanted one place where we can find cool stuff, but also some classic stuff to wear to work. So that was the inspiration. I actually find it's Like, you've done a lot of results. Um, can you talk about whether you had financial um, support from the city or any organizations in the city? Our first batch, our first loan was just a HELOC loan that we took on our condo because we got a condo for pennies um, with the intention of flipping it. So instead, we just flipped it and put it into our business. <laughs> right. But yeah, that was it. No investors, no other loans, just right out of our own pocket, really. Yeah. And lead times. You have long lead times, don't you, on some of your clothes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's big. Yeah. <laughs> because of cash. Mm-hmm. Same with like stuff for the shop-wise. It's all everything that was in there was all out of pocket from like what I worked for at, at the first shop and just like drained everything. Mm -hmm. it, was just, it was just hard like now, to go into there and buying a chair that was like eight hundred dollars and I had to buy four of them. <laughs> a chair that's like a thousand dollars and I had to buy two of them. You know. Just, yeah. This the space when we moved downtown. Um, there was some promises made with grants and assistance that just kind of never came to fruition. So that the move downtown was all us and we did it just just scraping things together but um the first move i will say just just speak some positive um gregory completely blessed us with our first um remodel of the space it was his space and he was like i'm just going to give it to you guys i believe what you're doing so he did essentially kind of help you know do the floors and clear the, the space out so there was minimal um we just had to kind of provide the fixtures you didn't and the have lights. Least yeah. improvement costs. So he kind of did some improvements. So that was a really big blessing to kind of get us kickstarted. And and he wanted somebody in the space. Right. So you yeah. you looked exactly. for that merit. Right. You know, that's all that's mm -hmm. smart. Yeah, there's I have not found a lot of that. No, there's not. There's not a lot of tent like there's a lot of empty buildings where people don't want anybody in there. Mm. And so it's really interesting, like I, I don't understand that. And so that's why I'm, that's why it's really it's my great for me here that you guys were able to do it because mm -hmm. I drive around I see these empty buildings and I'm like wow that would be amazing as like something like this mm -hmm. yeah. and then you call somebody and they don't ever call you back or they don't like they want to sell the building they don't actually want to lease it yeah. I'm like that makes no sense to me mm -hmm. that they would rather have this building sitting empty for years mm -hmm. than work with an organization or an entrepreneur that mm -hmm. wants to bring people in like. What is really their loss if the building is empty? Right. Like, I don't understand. And we that's actually, on. sorry, that's actually something that I struggled with actually before I met with them. I was just literally trying, to, like I said, trying to move central and trying to f f figure out like where my business was going and where it was going to grow. And I'd call people, I'd call like beautiful spaces to where you look inside and it's abandoned and there's some work that needs to be done. And I'm like, look, how can a young kid like me just go and try to make something out of a space here and Lakeland, where I was born and raised, and just try to do something beautiful for the city. And I call, I call, leave messages, and no one would respond, yeah. no one would help. Um, so it, it was tough. So luckily, 
Yeah, we kept when Gregory's like, I'm gonna do it, or like, wait, yeah. where's the camera? Who's some? Yeah, it's almost real. like it's almost like you have to have somebody. <laughs> but it's born out of relationship, isn't yeah. it? Yes, not? and and but we we dated Gregory for a year, yeah. like you know he had to build some trust with us. <laughs> He needs to sell some of his stuff yeah, exactly. just to survive. Mm -hmm. yeah. and I think. But, but the I point. Think, and it's really frustrating yeah. Right. If you're in a tight spot, like let's bring some income together. Yeah. Right? right. But if they don't want to call you back or like seriously, I grew up in my family several generations from here, so I'm like going through I'm like, okay, who knows who knows who knows who knows who knows yeah. And it's sad. Like, they like went to high school with my grandmother. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's sad that I and I, I get where you're coming from because I was there and it's just sad that you almost have to know somebody like super close to get an opportunity, you know, and it's something that like I really want to make your space beautiful for for this place that's abandoned. And you want to do something for it, and you can't because you don't have no help. And that's the sad part about it. I have a question. Um, um, you mentioned that there are some obstacles with signage um, and that those are better downtown. So it's kind of like what the city, so you hear a lot, the city's hard to do business with. But I'm curious, um, what outside organizations you mentioned talking to Steve um, came in and helped you move your goal or get towards your goal? Was it just a one-time conversation, or was there Yeah, it, it was. Um, and I think we always wanted to kind of be a part of Catapult. And I hate to keep saying the money, but for us, like, every dime went to the business. And we couldn't, we couldn't fathom giving it to, to them as well. So as, as hard as it was not to be able to plug into a local thing that would probably have blessed us immensely, every dime had to go back to the business. So... Um, that he was the only one that had a conversation. Literally, that was it. Yeah, that was it. Um, your story is amazing. Thank and you. It's very inspirational yes. for me as I sit here in somewhat of a similar scenario with our our business. But so the one thing, my question is, how did you target your? Um, your funds for public relations because your fifth and hall that's absolutely beautiful oh, and is that um, exposed break your building and so that's one and part two is just to kind of um, add to what you said is that the collaboration has to is key and so we talked about some of the things that the city does and doesn't do, I do want to give a shout out to the city CRA program that's sponsoring this because, mm -hmm. they, yeah, they um, were instrumental. I mean, and everything doesn't work for everybody. So mm -hmm. you've got to find that sweet spot. You've got to find that opportunity. And then you've got to just go hard at it like clearly you all have done. And so um, how did you leverage the available resources that you do have to promote I mean, I think that we've just had a lot of really great friends, and that's kind of, it's kind of crazy. Um, well, it's relationships again. It really yeah. is like, I mean, God, friends, because 
our best friend is a photographer, and he's like, I think, you know, one of the best in Lakeland, Dan Austin. And he um, always does all our photography for us, and it's just like blesses us with it. And then um, our other great friend is Daniel Barcelo, creative director for Lakelander. So he is, always does our graphics. So, um, and then we've just self-taught ourselves to do, you know, our social media and stuff like that. But just, just the people that we've had before even the business as friends that are, like, just within what we needed for our business when we have our business now is kind of crazy. And that's, I think... That isn't, like, a big PR fund. It, yeah. It's all been social media for us um, and just kind of and friends and knowing people. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say... Our friends do come in like, hey, can I get that shirt? I did right. some graphics for you. So yeah, there is a bit of a trade happening sometimes, yeah. which is fine. Communication piece, knowing what's available, bartering, collaborating, and it sounds like that you actually hooked up with the right. Yeah, uh, I, I, and I did. But we, I also think that we also do. Um, they do. We do a lot of pop up events too for like the community for people to come in and actually see what we're doing and still kind of like get the vision because I feel like some people try. They they still forget that we're there. So we we do like little events here and there to where they can still exactly so people can just come in and really hang out and really get to know us um, individually and just really get to know our space. So it's really good. I'm interested in your, in your take on your long-term economic stability. Uh, right now, you're young, you're very hip. Um, you've really got a collaboration. You don't only have one business, you really have yeah, yeah. two that just happen to be living together. Um, can you sustain yourselves economically over the long haul as fashions change and you get older? Can you sustain yourselves economically? How many people do you see yourselves employing? That's a great question. Um, that is, yeah, um, that's a great question. I don't know that I have all the answers just yet. If I'm being completely honest, I I do know that, you know, four years later we've been able to figure it out um, economically and and still have all the bills covered. There has been moments where we haven't been able to replenish as much as we would like to, and some of that. Um, but I think long term. I have we both we all kind of have our pulse on what's happening in in both the beauty and you know retail and and, and style, um, and it's about changing. That was really the idea when we brought in this collaboration: is we have to move with the time, um, and you know just from what I'm kind of reading and some of the retail blogs that I follow, um, it is a scary time for retail, um, which again kind of living side by side with fear. Um, and I think what we're learning as we go is we have to keep it fresh and have to keep it interactive. So I think long-term growing a collaboration and um, what's next? Like what can we also add to this experience? So far, having the hair and the makeup and clothing have, have really kind of revitalized our retail space. So what's next? And I think, you know, uh, without giving everything away, there's some, some things that we have in mind that you'll only be able to get if you walk into our space. Some made-to-measure stuff, some custom stuff. Um, eventually, we're going to start making our own clothing. Um, so again, that's stuff that, yes, you could probably send your measurements to some of these online custom, but there's something about coming in and having somebody actually measure your body um, and being able to touch and to feel. That's, that's next for us. And I think that's what's next for retail from what I'm kind of seeing on the horizon is a lot of made-to-measure, a lot of collaborative artist um, capsules and, 
and keeping that sort of collaboration interaction is kind of where it's going. Yeah, and I, think. I think it helps too. I mean, I love what they do when we like when we have these events. We don't just focus on us, you know. Like he's always constantly bringing other businesses into. Hey, you, let's come to this event, but we want to show your stuff, and you know what I mean. So it's always collabing with other businesses to keep on growing. And I think what helps us out the most is just us having a great relationship um, in, in order to make this strong uh, collaboration happen. It really helps with us, um, or with anybody that does collaboration, like having a good good relationship with the person they're actually doing a collaboration with. So um, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah, just Thank you. Keep your mind, I'd like to, maybe this isn't a question, but I'd just like to say a couple <coughs> words. Uh, and to Bruce's point, that you think it's sustainable, what I would say is that their model is awesome. <laughs> that you would pop up and try it. That then you would go somewhere where somebody gave you some free space for a while and you would try that. Then you would go to a cheaper place like Dixie Land and go in there and try to make that happen and then come downtown and lease space and pay retail. That's a, that's a sustainable model. That's a model that makes sense. That instead of we're going to work, 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 and then we're going to see if it happens, Step, 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 step. That model is uh, works, and I would say I, I wish everybody was still here, but I would say that there are places that you can go in Lakeland now, and there are at least four places that you can go where you can either pay nothing or less than retail or what we call transition space. So if you want to open an office for seventy-five dollars a month, you can come down to Capitol. There's nowhere in America that you can go and pay $75 a month down an office where you get free coffee, free snacks, 200 up and down internet service, um, you know, have a locker. Copier. Copier. A copier for free, all that stuff. So we have that in Lakeland, and it's provided by the private sector. But we also have the CRA, and the CRA, which is your city, is provided the collective, which is down here in House 820, and has done a lot of work in Dixieland as well, where they have transition space that you don't pay retail. It's less than retail, or half, and you can go open your uh, office there or your business, um, whether that's Ashton Events or Ricardo's Dynamic uh, Security Business or whatever, so there's a place you can go for that. And then you have private sector owners like Gregory Fanchelli or Corey Petkoff, who will give you either free or less than, you know, less than retail for a period of time until you can ramp your business up. So it's pretty cool that we have a nonprofit, we have two private sector people, and we have a city that are all doing what your people are asking for in this room. It's just, we, we do have that. And, and I would say that um, there aren't a lot of cities that have that. So that's really cool. I would say, though, really, Fifth and Hall pretty much just bootstrapped it all themselves. Other than a little bit of help from Gregory, they did it all themselves. And, um, and I do want to say one other thing, too, and I'm going to shut up at this point, but I do want to say something. There's somebody in this room that's actually more famous than, than you, Mayor, in this room, than anybody. <laughs> I'm sure that's the case. And I think we ought to hear from for at least just a minute, because nobody in Lakeland knows who Valeria is. Mm -hmm. But I think you should stand up. It's my wife. She's got 80,000 followers on YouTube. Come. She's got 33,000 people following her Instagram. And so this is a company that has no capital at all and has done it all you online. You could do this, huh? I'd love to hear her story because I've never heard it. <laughs> well, I'm only 23 years old. I just got married. I'll get that out of the way. 
Um, yeah, so I went into college, wanted to be a nurse because, you know, it was safe job, you know, I could make a lot of money, and I was like, you know, something sustainable, but it wasn't my passion, and I would always watch, like, YouTube videos and do my hair and makeup at home, and people would always be like, oh, my God, you should make, like, videos, and I was like, no, like, there's no way I can do that. I started dating him four years ago, and he bought me my first camera, my first lights, and then I started, and now it's become, like, my full-time job, and I didn't even have to finish college, and I'm successful, like, have my own career, work with many brands, like, all over, like, the world. And I make really good money, so. <laughs> right. She makes killer money. More money than me. Yeah, so sponsorships, contracts, and even like like collaborating with a lot of brands when I first started. Um, I started from like zero followers. Like I started in Lakeland. I always thought that I had to go to California, New York, you know, to really like, um, you know, get started and just like work with brands. But I did it here. And I would do a lot of work for free, like give me free products, get on your PR list, and then I'll just give you like free like content. And then now that I'm growing and I have an audience, they'll literally pay you whatever you ask for because you've built a relationship with them and your followers. So whatever I told my followers, they're going to buy. So they don't lose nothing with them paying me and also sending me products for free. So it's totally like a dream come true for me. Like I wouldn't want to do anything else. Ballet so. Lauren uh, Beauty. V-A-L-E-L-O-R-E-N, beauty. Okay, I'm going to straight up say right now, we've been trying to call you. We want you, <laughs> we want you on Catapult Board of Directors. We need somebody like you to be engaged and help uh, others, and we think we could help you too. So we'd, we'd love to have you engaged. She's the most famous person in life. <laughs> I'm glad you say that because honestly, she stands up here and she doesn't believe in herself. So it's great for people like you to to encourage her because she really does. Bust so did her you butt. say yes to that question? I didn't hear. She probably will say yes. I'm saying yes. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm a closer. <laughs> no, and, and also, like you know, like when I first started, like having somebody next to me that would actually help me. You know, like as a couple, like it's hard to find somebody that's like, hey, let me take your pictures. And like every time I walk out to it, I'm like, hey, take me a picture real quick. Like. He believed in my dreams, so it's like it just it works better that way to have a partner that just supports you. And same with them. And like, I, I've known adults since I was like 12 years old, so I always like had this role model to look up to. And now that I have that for myself, and like now we work together, I even work for them for a little bit. So they definitely are inspiration for like me and Jason. Yeah, and like I said, like I, I go back to like having the relationship. Like we've literally probably talked before this, um, just like a high and by basis. And literally, these two are people are like the best people I've ever met in my life. And They've been such an inspiration to us. Like, when I had my shop, I was like, man, what can I do to be like them, you know? What can I do to be like Abdel? So, like, just this, it's just been great. And for her story and us to just come together, it's been, it's been an amazing experience. So. Wait, also real quick. Um, it's like a little, like, like another, like, downer. <laughs> you know, we're, like, the downers in the group, me and Christy. But I remember, like, I was, I was at a, I was, like, in college, and I was working at Sports Authority. I don't know if you guys remember that. It went, like, bankrupt. I'm, I was always, like, yeah. So I was there for, like, three years. And it was... She speaks her mind. Like, she's there. Yeah. I'm married to one like And it. I loved it. You know, like, I, I grew up around sports. It's just, like, good job. I loved it. Trying to get me to college. And I remember, like, the company went bankrupt. I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And I, had, I, I was working at Ulta as well, like, the beauty store. And I got let go for, like, crazy reasons, um, like, with management that just didn't, like, like me. It's just a lot. And I remember I was like, hey, like, I need a job. So they literally gave me a job when I needed them the most. And then they would always pour into my life. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to work off the off a little bit, do freelance makeup. And then it just, like, like having a good support system, like, I didn't do it by myself. You know, as, as many people would think that I just, like, sit at home and film and, like, 
do everything, but like having a support system like has really helped me and like and just so that, that they're not just pouring the compliments our way. <laughs> when they came into our lives of the business, it was at a point where it was like make or break. And this this it's it's now or never, and we needed their energy, their smarts, their youth to like revitalize our dreams and our vision. So they really did kind of like put a little. I guess a little match underneath us, so it was good. Like, what did you say? What does this mean? Yeah, Abdel yells at me sometimes, but it's all good. It's fine. You gotta get you gotta get yelled at once. I, I think for and if you're recording, I think it's good for the audience. I would just say I just want to say one thing is that one of the th one of the big things that Catapult's been involved in is lifestyle entrepreneurs, and that's one of the things we push because we don't have a lot of tech companies. But from an economic development standpoint and from a high-skill, high-wage standpoint, as we try to attract higher-wage jobs to our community, this is exactly what we need. Absolutely. If we don't have these lifestyle entrepreneurs here, then we're going to have a hard time attracting people here that want to buy what they have to sell. And so I just want you know, from our perspective, from an LADC perspective, Economic Development Council, we're going to pour into you know, helping these types of people because they're going to make our community unique, different, and successful, and creative. And we all go down and shop at Fifth and Hall, let Jason cut your hair, <laughs> get online and follow Valeria, and we need to support these kinds of companies. It's Thank really you. important. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Do you shop at Fifth and Hall? <laughs> uh, I have, yeah, absolutely. He has. Well, I, mean, I, not, I don't wear it. I buy it for other people. Right. I'm not <laughs> Thank you for inviting them here because I Amen. think that from from startup entrepreneurs that we are, it's good to see and hear stories because it gives you that hope that, hey, there is someone out there that went through the same thing and had some of the same thoughts and look at what you've done. So shout out to you and again to the CRA, and the CRA. for making this type of, of opportunity available. And, and I want to do some quick recaps on that because fear is a common factor. I, you know, I know when I, there were times I'm going like, I don't know how we're doing the sales tax payment this month. I don't know how we're doing the, the payroll this month. I, so the, I just wanted to, it's a common deal. We want to quantify everything and, and make it, how can we make more and bigger and more locations of them? I love this. See, I like to, to, to morph a little bit with growing and not necessarily, it sounds so irresponsible, not to have this five-year plan, but it isn't the way life works today. We have so many, so many changes, and particularly in the segment Steve's talking about, we're talking about creatives. We have to move into spaces that happen and that we can help shape. And not that you don't have products and other ideas that you go along, because that's part of what you know, but that's closer to you than the five-year plan. And so... And, and that space and that ability to be nimble is what makes the creativity work, which is what people love to see, which is why they come in and, you know, and like you. So the whole process of that is, should be an encouragement to us because it is very um, discouraging sometimes to look at companies that grow with large locations. I remember one time sitting down with Bill Whitaker of CRISPRs when he had four locations and he had asked me to come in and talk about growing the company or not. And I said, if I were you, I love your four locations. It's busy. It provides. I'd keep it four locations. And um, he just wanted to grow it. you know. And so we can get the Chamber of Commerce in the most effective way. I can say the syndrome, which is that we have to be bigger, more of us, larger in order to be significant. That's not true. Mm -hmm. And so we have to 
be great at what we do, and you're great examples of doing that, and keep it up. Thank you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Jason, big to have you. From an economic um, perspective, an economic development perspective um, on the city side, I think it's important for us to remember and understand that small businesses is the backbone of, um, of our community and our, and, we, and our nation. And our nation, and we have to figure out how do we um, provide some safety nets sometimes for these small businesses to help them when there's. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Um, we have to figure out a way how to build a safety net in to help these small businesses and how does that help us with the economic prosperity of our community as we talk about education and internships, but you have these small businesses that are investing their last dollar in everything, everything that they, they have. have, but that's what makes us thrive <laughs> as a community. And so we have to dig a little deeper and figure out how can we continue to support them and be a safety net for them and um, be a resource to them, not necessarily financially, but how can we help them um, grow and not necessarily grow with larger employees, but to scale their business. Yeah, and I will tell you, and I know I'm subjective in this, but we're doing a lot of things right as a city. We have a lot of creativity. We have wall breaking, walls breaking down. We're in the process of that, and we've had good leadership to get us to where we are today. Um, and I, so I think we're, we are more nimble, nimble, and we should encourage more of that, and I really appreciate the leadership that Brian and Nicole have in that process. Uh, just one thing to add to what Steve said, uh, the Catapult has a co-starters class, for those of you that are not aware, where they will take you through the process of grabbing your idea, and they will help you walk through that process, and they will, and Christina or Steve might, know, might say more about it, but I, I've seen a lot of people go through that, and they're doing, their, their business is going great, so. And, yeah. and part of co-starters is to talk people out of going to business, too. And in many cases, that's what you need to do because the model won't be sustainable. And, and that's okay, too, because then maybe I'd rather work for Urban Outfitters the rest of my life. You know, maybe that, it gets me close enough to the close. I take away the risks. I sleep at night without as much worry. You know, because you don't ever quit fearing when you own your own business. If you do, you're just lulled to sleep for some other reason because that is your dri that's part of your driver. Fear and boredom take us always to creativity. Both those things. And so there's nothing wrong with them, and, and that's what makes us solve problems. We quit whenever we're, if, when, if we rest in our own praise and press reports, we die. That's poison. You have to always be motivated by what can we do better, what's, what isn't right, what hurdle do I need to get around, and I'm going to add one more thing to our toolbox, and then we're going to wrap and not do Think Tank 2 at all. But the third thing that lots of times we hesitate talking about in the toolbox is you have your own. You can help, and what we're talking about here is using others. But the biggest toolbox you've got is God's. And we, we try not to always you know, interject the spiritual side of things in the life, but the spiritual side is why we're here, you know, and it's what we do with our lives. And so prayer matters. Connect, you know, you guys met it through church relationships. You, you heard that. And that wasn't an intentional comment in this, but it's true, and that's what happened in this story. So you relationships do matter, and that relationship matters. And that relationship, when we have fear, the, our relationship with God, is hugely important because we take fear and either turn it into angst that gives us ulcers or direction and trust and giving up 
And, when, and, and we get most effective in our lives when we give up our own pride and we yield to the things that have closed doors in our lives. Closed doors protect us. You know, I, I had a, a closed door the other night in our commission meeting on the homelessness, and I left pretty riled and mad inside, you know, and not, not, not just feeling like we're betraying. And then I, I have a wonderful wife who said, well, 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 you think God isn't in control? You know, so there's a reason for this. There's a redirection in this. Hold on, you know, and, and that's true with life. So you go from where you get frustrated by these things and, and maybe mad about those. But you, it's okay to be a little mad and irritated. You just got to turn it into something that has trust associated with it. And so the, the, the big toolbox we cheat ourselves from having is if we don't use our spiritual tool, toolbox as well. And so I just want to make sure in an uncompromising way I clearly state that. Uh, it's certainly from my own personal perspective. Um, two more minutes. Any last closing thoughts at all? Yes, <laughs> I do, again, want to thank you, Mayor Mutz. I want to thank the CRA. I want to thank, you know, Catapult. And I didn't get a chance to thank Mr. Ottinger with um, the chamber. But I also have to, as small yes. business startups, we got engaged. We try to show up at everything and try to make sure we form relationships. And that has really been a blessing for us as we grow and as we've been given an opportunity to create an initiative. Um, I got to give it a shout out. Coming soon, Parker Place Center, which does a lot of what's been talked about here today. But the one thing I do want to say about it is, is we got a lot of questions. Well, why do you need that? Why do you need this? What's the purpose? If you have this, what's that? And we started saying things like, well, if you have McDonald's, why do you need Burger King? Right. If you have this, why? it's because choices right. and because you need all of this. Yes. And much, much more. Yes. And so I just want to say on behalf of Mario and I, who we just got married in July also, um, uh. that we're excited to be here and a part of the amazing things that are happening in the Lakeland. Thanks to you and, again, to all of the leadership that is present. And we need to do more of this. That's great. just my. That's a great place to close. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming.